Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you will hear Senior Manager of Content and Editorial, Caitlin Sims, in conversation with San Francisco Ballet soloist, Julia Rowe. This episode was recorded on Sunday, March 10th, 2019, before a performance of Helgi Thomason's The Sleeping Beauty. Hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to our Meet the Artist lecture today. I'm Caitlin Sims, Senior Manager of Content and Editorial here at San Francisco Ballet, and I'd like to let you know that this is one of many audience engagement events here at San Francisco Ballet, and you can learn more about all that we offer on the events section of our website. I'm here today with soloist Julia Rowe. Julia Rowe was born in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, and trained at Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet and San Francisco Ballet School. She danced with Oregon Ballet Theater before joining SF Ballet as a member of the Corps de Ballet in 2013. She was promoted to soloist in 2016. So it's Sunday morning here at the theater. What does your morning look like? Well, um, I actually just took class. I'm still kind of sweaty. Um, which is pretty normal for us on a, a show day. Usually we have a, a warm-up class with the entire company um, before our show. Um, right. So I'm going to get a little inside baseball here, or inside ballet, because this week, uh, Marcia Dale Weary, who was the founder of Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet, died at the age of 82. Um, she started her school in a converted sheep barn in 1955 in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, um, which has a population of less than 20,000 people. Yep. From this small school in a small town, students have gone on to dance in all the major companies in the U.S., including here at San Francisco Ballet. Um, you might know Vanessa Zahorian and Tina LeBlanc, both trained at that school, and Julia Rowe. Me. So can you talk a little bit about your training there? Yeah, um, so I was fortunate enough to actually be a local. <laughs> so um, my parents are in the arts, and they had heard of this wonderful teacher in a barn in Carlisle, which is generally known for, you know, its car show. Um, and <laughs> when they realized that I might be interested in taking ballet lessons. They thought of her immediately, and um, so at the age of seven, I started training pretty intensely uh, at the Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet. Um, and I was there for about 10 years, so most of my training came from that school. Um, so I owe just about all of my early training and my foundations in this art form to Marcia Dalewery and her training in, Central Pennsylvania Youth Valley. And how does she do it? What is it about her training that produces so many amazing dancers? You know, it's hard to... <laughs> it, it really is magic, what she was able to do. Um, but if I had to kind of think about specifics, I think that her, her belief in each student individually as, as a dancer and as an artist and her faith in us to, if we, if we work hard enough and if we have enough passion, we would be able to 
to get something out of ballet, regardless of, of natural ability, regardless of financial circumstance, regardless of, of anything. If you have the passion for the art form, the art form will give back. And I think that understanding um, she was able to impart on seven-year-olds, which is pretty amazing. Um, and and that's, that's why she was able to bring out so, bring out amazingness, if that's even a word, I'm pretty sure it's not, um, from, from so many dancers at such a young age mm -hmm. in Carlisle. Mm -hmm. um, so then you came to San Francisco Ballet School for a year at the end of your training. I did. Can you talk about that experience? Um, so when I was 17, um, I, I had been at CPYB for 10 years, and I knew that I wanted to be a professional ballet dancer, but I, and I had the, I had great training, and I had passion, and I had, I was all set, but I, I didn't have polish or finesse or any sort of understanding of what it would be like in a professional company. So I <laughs> petitioned my parents to uh, come to San Francisco Ballet School. Um, I had been attending summer programs for four or five years prior to that, so I did have some sort of idea of what I was getting myself into. But um, yeah, I moved out here with two suitcases and stayed in a house with a bunch of other <laughs> young aspiring ballet dancers for a year and um yeah that was that was really the the year that changed my dancing the most into what it is now um foundationally yes all of my training comes from cpyb but i think the the polish and the finesse i owe to the teachers at san francisco ballet school and then you joined Oregon Ballet Theater. I did. For a few years. Um, so Christopher Stoll, who used to be a principal dancer here, actually, um, was the artistic director of Oregon Ballet Theater um, when, I was, when I was a teenager. Um, and he invited me to join his company, which, is much, which was much smaller than, than SFB, but it they had a great rep, and the the people there were great, and it was a really good, um, really good starting point for me to kind of find who I was as an artist and who I am as a dancer and what professional life is like because it's not the same as being a student, obviously. Um, and how long were you there? I was there for five years. Okay. I was a in the core for two, and I was a soloist for three. And what made you want to come back to San Francisco? Well, there was an artistic director shift in Oregon, and also San Francisco Ballet was always my dream job. So I think it had always been my goal to, to get a job here. I just had to go away and learn some lessons before I came back and was able to fully contribute to what we, what we do here. Mm -hmm. um, so... In 2016, you were promoted to soloist. Can you fi t talk about how you found out and what the biggest difference is? Oh, man. Funny story, actually. I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> um, Helgi called me out of class 
and he looks at me very seriously. He's, he's kind of hard to read sometimes. Um, and he just, he, he looks at me and he goes, I think I want to make you a soloist next season. And I, 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 it like didn't compute. And I, so I just stared <laughs> blankly. And he says, is that all right with you? <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, please. It's great. Um, so it was, it, was, it was a very casual kind of conversation. And, and I, I finished out the rest of the year in the court of ballet. I think I did like eight shows of Swan Lake or something. And, um, and then the next season, everything changed. And... Um, I think the biggest difference between being in the corps de ballet and being a soloist is um, personal agency. Um, As a soloist, I'm responsible for my own artistic product a little bit more. There's less less hand-holding. There's a lot of artistic freedom, which is great, but then there's also a responsibility to make it look good. So, um, so exploring that um, has been a wonderful opportunity to grow as an artist and as a person, and um, it's, it's been great, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving into the Sleeping Beauty, do you remember when you first saw this ballet? It must have been in Pennsylvania at some point, because I know we did we did that production. It wasn't it obviously nothing like what we do here, but uh, I think that's when I I learned the foundation of the the plot and how the variations go and what the music. Um, growing up, in there's when you train, you you take like a variations class after, in school where you learn different pieces of classical ballet repertoire. And um, Sleeping Beauty has a lot of, of solos that are very technical and very good to use in, in classes like that. So I, I grew up dancing, you know, Bluebird and the fairy variations and um, Pas de Cis, mm-hmm. you know, all of, all of that music is very f- familiar. So speaking of the bluebird variation, um, that's one of the roles that you have been dancing? Yes. And can you talk about what's, what you enjoy about that role, what's challenging about that role? The, I guess it's the enchanted princess in the yes. bluebird variation. He's the bluebird. She's a princess. Um, at first, when I tackled this role, it was all about executing steps correctly, which obviously you have to do. Um, but the more I've had the opportunity to work on it. Um, now it's it's about embodying the character um, and actually being the princess on stage. And, you're, and instead of just putting your hand up to your ear, you're actually listening to to your partner. And that um, that connection that you have with someone on stage is important because it reads to the audience. So it's been, it's been great to work with, with different partners on this role. Last year I did it with uh, Hanske Yamamoto. This year I'm doing it with Kevin Connolly. Um, it's, it's, it's been great to, to build something with a, another dancer. Mm-hmm. And then um, in the solo, it's, it's all about making it my own and finding little nuances to, 
to bring out certain aspects of the music that, that I hear, that I want the audience to, to pay attention to. Um, you've also been rehearsing the roles of two different fairies, right? The uh, one. Oh, uh, yes. Um, fairy of generosity? In the prologue, yep. and then the diamond, diamond fairy, fairy in third act. Yeah. So can you talk about, there are a lot of fairies in this ballet. Yeah. Um, Everybody's a fairy. <laughs> can you talk about what makes the ones that you're dancing stand out, like what is characteristic of these Well, luckily, variations? the fairy of generosity is named, so, um, and it's a, it's, it's a short variation, but it's very powerful. Uh, there are a lot of jumps, there are a lot of turns. It's, uh, it's less generous in the sense of uh, softness and more generous in the sense of uh, fullness and, and giving. And um, I honestly, when I do it, I just try to leave it all out there on stage for you. Um, and then Jules, uh, the diamond jewel. Um, at the wedding. At the wedding. Um, it's, it's more about being crisp and clear and, and kind of embodying that shiny, like dance it like a diamond, to be completely honest. <laughs> um. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it takes the company to get a ballet as big as Sleeping Beauty on, on stage and how preparing for a ballet like this is different from preparing for a mixed rep program? Well, um, for something like this, it's everybody working together all day. Um, we've been doing two full runs of the ballet almost every day for about a week. Um, and it just takes a coordinated, concerted effort from everyone involved, the dancers, the ballet masters, the, arti the entire artistic staff, the, the crew. The, it's just, it's everyone focused on one very specific product as opposed to a 30-minute piece that maybe has maybe is less involved in terms of choreography or lights or sets or costumes. Mm -hmm. um, and thinking about classical roles again versus contemporary, mm -hmm. um, how do these different kinds of ballets inform each other or do they? Like does it do something, doing something like Sleeping Beauty and, um, impact how you'll do the ballets later in the run or not? Well, I feel like there are two sides of the same coin. Um, Contemporary, all contemporary ballet is built upon the classics. So in order to do one well, you have to do the other well. Mm -hmm. And my experience dancing contemporary pieces has given a freedom to the movement that I can then bring to Sleeping Beauty. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, so Shostakovich trilogy is coming up later this season? Yes, it is. Um, can you talk a little bit about that ballet and your role in it? So, um, when I first joined the company, we did this piece, my first season, I believe, uh, back when I was in the core. So, um, so I did the first and the third of the trilogy, and um, I'm still doing um, the part that I did in, my fir in the first, but now I get to learn a soloist role in the second. So, um, so I will have done all three and each is, is a slightly different take on, uh, uh, Alexia Rotmansky is the choreographer, 
and it's um, his take on Shostakovich's music and life. Um, so I, I'm I'm really looking forward to to working on Chamber Symphony, which is the second one, which is the most narrative of the three pieces. Um, I don't know how much I'm permitted to give away if you haven't seen it, but it's the the whole evening is really beautiful. Um, the music's spectacular, and um, the dancing is some some of the most witty, fun, poignant. Uh, choreography that I've done here so um, so after the season ends the company's taking this ballet and yes several from last year's Unbound Festival um, to London to yep. perform at Sadler's Wells Theatre um, also on the program is um, Liam Scarlett's Hummingbird yep. um, so I have two questions can you talk about working with Liam Scarlett on this ballet and then as a dancer how do you, do you enjoy tours and what's great and what's challenging about tours of this? I love tours. Um, it's really fun to dance in a new space and perform for a new audience. Um, I feel like every, every theater has its own energy, every audience has its own energy. Um, we're very lucky here to be able to perform in this space, but there's something special about performing in other cities and taking something that means one thing to this audience here in San Francisco and translating that for for another group that's really fun. Uh, like we did Giselle in, in China, mm -hmm. which had a different feel than doing Giselle here. Um, so it, it really is all about the audience and the community that we get to be we get to be cultural ambassadors, which is kind of gratifying for sure. Okay, so I have one more question, and then we'll open it up to the audience. So, what when you aren't here, what do you like to do? Oh man, well, um, right now I'm actually working on my my degree. <laughs> um, I do the leap program through St. Mary's in Moraga, um, so I do a lot of school. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's great. I, I feel like education really informs my dancing. Um, the more I learn about other, other aspects of life, the more I can connect with an audience and the, the better my performance is. So. Great. So we can open it up for questions now. If anyone out in the audience has any questions, for, I'm here again with Julia Rose, a soloist. Yes. So the question is, uh, when she was uh, here at San Francisco Ballet School for her last year of her training, what was it like to live with other students who you are dancing with and theoretically competing with as well? I think it's like any dorm situation. Um, it, it's great to have a community of people who understand you and are focused on the same things that you are. It was very intense training, so it was good to be surrounded by other people who understood that. Um, as far as competition goes, that's sort of the nature of, of ballet, is that all of your friends and all of, your, all of the people who you love the most up on stage, I guess, if you had to think about it, are also competition. But... 
having that be apparent from an early age uh, requires you to kind of get over it because that doesn't it doesn't serve us as as dancers to get caught up in that so it was good to work through that when I was 17 as opposed to at an older age, if that makes sense. Great. Are there more questions? Hi. So the question for our podcast is, uh, in a production this big with all the different elements, when do they start to come together and gel as a production for you? I would say that the most important, no, not the most important, but a very, very essential element to the company is the audience. So until opening night, and there are people out here, it doesn't have the full effect for me as a dancer. Uh, We have time for one or two more questions. Yes. So the question is, when do you start rehearsing specific ballets um, during the process, and do you learn roles that you don't end up dancing? Um, so San Francisco Ballet is unique in that we rehearse pretty constantly from July through November, and then we perform December through May. Um, so we are we rehearsed all of these ballets that we're performing right now in the summer, and then we put them away and did Nutcracker, and now we're bringing them back out. Um, yes, sometimes I learn r- certain roles that I don't get the opportunity to, to perform, um, but generally speaking, uh, the artistic staff tries to give as many people as many opportunities as possible because that's how we grow. Great, we have time for one more question. Yes? Oh, uh, the question is, can you talk about what it's like to perform at this level and also go to school, university? Um, It's a lot about balance. Um, Luckily, the program that I'm doing through St. Mary's is designed specifically for working performing arts professionals, so they work around our schedule, which is absolutely amazing. Um, But mostly it's about using the information that I'm learning in school to inform my performances on stage. Great, we probably have time for one more question. Yes. Lots of pins. (laughs) The question was how do you keep your wigs on in Sleeping Beauty? Our, our hair and makeup department is stellar. Great. Well, thank you so much um, for coming to the MTA. Thank you. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.